Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sarah. And I'm Beth. We're lawyers, mothers, and co-hosts of the bipartisan podcast Pantsuit Politics. We have more in common than divides us. In a world that defaults to false dichotomies, we explore the messiness of living wisely. The choices, trade-offs, priorities, and grace of living a nuanced life. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Nuanced Life. We're here to cover culture. We're here to cover advice. And, of course, we're here to commemorate the big and small moments in life that sometimes get ignored. Uh, We're going to kick off today's episode... With a Japanese concept I've recently discovered called Ikigai. Have you heard of this, Beth? No, only from you, and I love the pronunciation. <laughs> Ikigai. Ikigai. It's so much happier than it sounds like it's going to be. It's a concept that means reason for being. And a lot of times it's represented as a Venn diagram, which will be in our show notes and definitely on Instagram. Um, it's the intersection of what you love, what you're good at, what you get paid for, and what the world needs. And they have all these different labels. So, like, you can have a vocation, you can have a career, but if you can get all of those things overlapping with this, like, sense of purpose, then you have Ikigai. And I was really excited to read this because I feel like we have found our Ikigai. Okay, say the four overlapping things again. Okay. What you love, what you're good at, what you get paid for, and what the world needs. I love that so much. I know. It's so good. And I feel like I want to get a visual representation of it and frame it and put it on the walls of my house because that's really what I want to teach my daughters to look for. Now, here's where I'm going to be more a little more measured because I think, I think it is awesome. The, when you say your daughters, though, this is my only warning is I think like it can start to feel like pressure if you're young. And I think that the only way to... Like you only the only way to find this is just to start walking. You, you're not going to think your way into an icky guy at like 18 trying to pick a major. You know what I mean? That's my only small preamble warning to the to this contest. I think it is really beautiful. But I think I always talk about this. You know, we all know I love Mama Oprah. But sometimes Mama Oprah felt like pressure. Like you better find your passion, girl. Your life will not be worth living if you don't find a passion you get paid for. You know what I mean? Yes. I also think, though, that sharing this early and often makes space for the conversation that it's a journey in that direction. Because most of us tend to have one of these factors elevated at the expense of all the others. Mm -hmm. And it is so difficult to recognize that they can exist in some kind of balance and that we do have to work our way there. But I feel like knowing that all of these things have a place, it would have changed my life to have that articulated so cleanly for me earlier on. Because I really learned to elevate what you're good at and what you can get paid for. 
what you love always felt like um, that's supposed to be your hobby or something, but you're not going to be able to make money off of it. And what the world needs, like maybe you work that out through church or somewhere else, but career is about what you're good at and what you can get paid for. So this is really interesting. I had a, a different experience and I was thinking about this through my mom. So the reason my di- I think my experience is really different is because both of my primary caregivers, my parents, I lived with my mom and my stepdad, dramatically changed career paths as adults. My mom was a secretary at the Department of Highways for the state of Kentucky, and my stepdad sold cancer insurance door-to-door. And then my mom went back to school to become a librarian, and my stepdad became a real estate agent. So I'm thinking about my mom, and this is a funny story. So it's like what you love. My mom loved to read. Um, what she's good at, talking about books and being organized in the space, which I guess maybe she saw as a secretary. I don't know if she, like, recognized, like, I can use some of these skills. Um, what you can get paid for, obviously, you can get paid for being a librarian. But what the world needs, I mean, I think that's open to interpretation because I keep remembering the, sto- the the origin story of this is my mother my gra- or my grandmother looked at my mother and was like, listen – all the school librarians are old. That's what you should go to school for. <laughs> so what the world needs? Uh, open for interpretation. And so because my grandma was like looking around, she was like, no, no, they, all these ladies are about to retire. We're going to need some librarians real soon. And it worked out beautifully. And I think it was a really good, except for my mom doesn't like to wake up early. That was a, a struggle bus. But and I think with for my stepdad, it was another like they... So I, I guess I don't I can't speak to their personal experience because I was a child when they were doing all this. But what I soaked up was you can absolutely start over if it's not making you happy. You will make it. The money will come. You will be able to pay your bills. You can take a risk. You should enjoy what you're doing every day. Like that was the narrative I really absorbed from both of them changing careers that way. That makes sense to me. I mean, my dad made a big career shift, but I was too young to remember it. And then he did it Mm. again, but it was when I was in college. And so I think that I've learned those lessons from him a little bit um, as I've gotten older. My mom stayed at home with me until I was in school. um, And then she was a teacher. And so what I really learned as the child of a teacher and a dairy farmer is like hard work. (laughs) Both of my Mm -hmm. parents worked all the time. My mom was one of those teachers who brought papers home to grade at night and was at school, you know, hour and a half before the day started working in her classroom and worked through her lunch. And I just picked up the idea that we really, really have to work hard um, to do our best work. And that wasn't wrong and it's not served me poorly at all. And also, I have needed a little bit more balance in my life um, and have started to find that. And I certainly feel with where we are today that I have that intersection of what I love, what I'm good at, what I can get paid for and what the world needs. I do have this persistent voice in my head that's like, how long are you going to be able to pull this off? You know, (laughs) but I just try to tell that voice. I don't know. And we'll see. It's really funny. Your mom uh, should have caught up my grandmother. I forgot the other most important part of that origin story, which is my grandmother, who was a school guidance counselor after she was an English teacher, also told my mother, it's the best job in the building because there are no lesson plans. (laughs) There's no staying late to grade, you know, no grading, no lessons plans when you're the school librarian. Just P.S. It's not that it's the easiest job in the building. It has its struggles, but you don't have to do all that other stuff. Nice. So key tip. I don't know the average age of the school librarian, though. I cannot I cannot promise you that those job openings if you're thinking about being a school librarian. And it is also not just staying around recommending books to people, which is a great disappointment to me every time I used to go visit my mom in the school library. 
what's funny to me as I look at this list and think sort of of my own journey is, you know, I knew what I wanted. Like when I, they tell you to go back to what is it like second or third grade and what did you love? What did you want to be when you grew up? Like that's the best age because you're like sort of old enough to understand yourself, but not old enough to listen to other people. Do you remember what you wanted to be in second or third grade? Um, I wanted to be a judge, I think, in second or third grade. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I really I think that's really when I fell in love with like writing and expressing my opinions. And especially as I went through college and I did like I remember my favorite part at Transy was the op ed part of writing like writing my column for the the Rambler. But I just couldn't see. I didn't know how you got there. Like, I didn't know. How do I get to the point where people care what I think? <laughs> how do I get to, like, I know I like talking and expressing my opinions. I think I'm pretty good at it. I could not make the connection to how do I get paid for that? Like, that, cause it seemed like such a you know, there's not like you can major in being a columnist or being an like a pundit. You know what I mean? Like it was just really difficult to figure out. So I, I guess in a way I was just trying to hone that skill by being a blogger and by doing these things. I couldn't stop myself. I couldn't stop myself from expressing my opinion is probably what it comes down to. Well, may we all find ourselves a little closer to Icky Guy this week. Mm-hmm. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. We know staying on top of the news can be daunting. That's why every weekday morning, I pop into Pantsuit Politics Insta Stories to share the top headlines of the day. I greet you with a nice, good morning. And then we hit the ground running. I also try to share good news on Friday, and we often do fun summaries of debates and major news events set to music. Just trust us. Go on over to Instagram and follow Pantsuit Politics and get informed without the overwhelm. a request for advice this week from Katie, who is a nine on the Enneagram. And if you are not familiar with the Enneagram, Enneagram nines are able to see every side of an argument. They are mediator types. They are usually conflict averse. They're the peacemakers. They want to find a way for everybody to get what they need. And so Katie said that her own needs or desires have been shelved for the sake of finding peace for most of her life, and that's a learned pattern she's always working to balance out. She says, many natural and environmental factors have led to my peacemaker personality. I've grown to love many of these traits, and I'm proud of the healthy ways that I've learned to engage my strengths. But I struggle so much with forming a very strong opinion about something. When you can't stop your brain from circling the situation to see and analyze every angle possible, it's hard to understand yourself and what exactly it is that you like or dislike and agree with or disagree with. 
I'm genuinely fascinated with people that have bold and passionate opinions like you two and find myself often wishing I could just find a little bit of that in me. So my question is, do you have any advice on honing in on what it is that I truly align with, whether it's politically or where I'd like to go for dinner? I hope this question makes sense. I respect your bold and informed opinions and wondered if maybe one or both of you had to develop that skill over time. And how did you move toward that destination? Or maybe it's just that I need to make a little more peace with myself. Well, listen, I mean, the first thing I want to say to Katie is if you're a nine on the Enneagram, girl, you're already in like the body gut triangle right next to Enneagram one, which is what I am. I definitely understand this idea that like I'm always seeing other people's perspectives, but like just I don't know what wing you are, but if you just lean a little bit, you're not far. I think you're not as far away from being able to hone into what your gut is telling you and advocate for that for yourself and that position. Um, Because being able to articulate and understand where other people are coming from or the other sort of positions can really help you sort of prove your point or articulate why you think this particular path is the right path forward. And I think you know, Richard Rohr is doing a series on the Enneagram as we're recording this, and he just did nine. And he said sort of tapping into that 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 gut that you're being at one with your body because it's the body center um, can really, really help you. I, I don't I don't think you're as far away as you think you are, Katie. I really don't. I relate a lot to this commemoration from Katie because I'm a two on the Enneagram, which means that my motivation is really to make other people happy so they'll love me you know, just to put it, bottom line it. And so as a two, you often put yourself aside because you're looking not for like what your own opinion is, but for what will make the people around you happy as well. Just a different motivation than I think nine. And um, for me, I had to learn a little bit to just reconnect with my ability to make decisions. I was very decisive as a child and then I kind of lost that somewhere along the way. And so for the past few years, I've been working hard on like, what do I believe? Why do I believe it? And practicing voicing that, especially in the small situations. I have an easier time knowing how I feel about like global trade than where I want to have (laughs) dinner. So I have to sort of practice saying like, you know, if, if it's what do you want to eat? Just saying this. I really struggle with that stuff. And it's and it is just a practice. And I think the more I force myself to do it um, and the more I remember that when I do it, it serves the people around me, too. I think this is something I've really learned from you, mm-hmm. Sarah, that being around a person who is very expressive about her own opinion and needs it um, creates space for you to be the same way. It's like permissive in some senses. And and I want to be permissive to other people. So that's a strategy that I use when I think about this. Yeah, I mean, I think it, what's always hard for me to articulate, and I, I think people assume the opposite, but like, I don't, I have strong opinions and I will argue for them, but I don't, I don't hold them particularly tight. Like I'm not a grudge holder, as long as I'm able to express, like, I think that turned out badly or I didn't want to do that, like, I just have to express it. And then once I express it, I'm done. Like, I don't really ever think about it again unless it's my husband and I just want to talk a lot about how wrong he was, which is my right as as his spouse. Um, but it, it's just funny. I think the more you do – it's sort of like having the hard conversations about politics we talk about on Pansy Politics. It's Like you said, it's a practice. The more you do it and see, like, the world doesn't end, you can get it wrong and it's okay. You can make somebody upset and it's okay. 
and the world keeps spinning and then you do it again and you get better and better at realizing like I because you're you know if you're trying to do this you might overcorrect a little bit at first and lean in and think everything's a battle and then you start to realize like oh no I don't really care about that like I always laugh and say like I would if I could never ever order off a menu again I would like I get decision fatigue about certain things really easy and I have zero opinion. Like I hate ordering. I don't want to order. I wish I could just carry my friend Laura with me everywhere I go and let her order all my food. So you'll just figure out the stuff that you care enough about and that you don't care enough about. It's not all going to be really important for you to have a bold opinion on. And when it comes to bigger things, professional things, political things, where you have that ability to articulate all the arguments, that's awesome. That's a great ability. And Mm -hmm. also being able to articulate all the arguments does not delete the need for you to bring your own values in. And that's how you resolve that conflict. Hey, I can make I can make this argument or that one. But here's what's most congruent with my values. And so just naming those more explicitly, I mean, that's something we talk about on Pantsy Politics all the time. Okay, here's what I'm prioritizing from a place of values, and that's what leads me to this conclusion. Even though I can absolutely see how someone would disagree, um, that's where we need our nines to emerge as leaders in political conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We need you, Katie. You can do it. We have a commemoration today from Lauren that I love, and it's a little bit long, but I think all of it just needs to be included here. So here we go. Ever since I can remember, I have felt fat. I have very vivid memories of my mother telling my elementary school self that I could afford to lose a few pounds. When I'm looking at photos of myself, the first thing I do is pick out the imperfections, the tummy that isn't flat. I have never, ever shared this feeling with anyone. To the outside world, I'm a totally average weight. My body fluctuates from a two-ish to a four-ish. But I have never seen my body as attractive, right, or flattering. I have viewed it as a project, a fixer-upper that needs to be smaller, fitter, more perfect. A few years ago for Christmas, I added a pair of snowboarding pants to my wish list. Before sending the list to my family, I went to the store to try them on and see what size I would need. I tried on a small, and they technically fit. I had to do a little dance to get them on, and they weren't exactly comfortable when buttoned, but they fit. I refused to try a medium, so this would have to be good enough. I said to myself, I needed to lose a little weight anyway, and this would be good motivation for me. They would fit perfectly by next season. Come Christmas, they were under the tree for me. The first time I wore them, they were snug and didn't allow for many unanticipated movements, but they worked. I decided I would just have to get used to it. Fast forward to this weekend when my husband and I, along with a few of our friends, took a snowboarding trip. I've worn the pants a few times now, but I hadn't put them on in about a year. In the parking lot of the ski resort, I pulled them up over my leggings and got them to button. The first thing I thought to myself was, geez, I really need to lose a few pounds. These don't feel good. Around 5 p.m., I'm riding up the lift to the top of the mountain with my friend. He turns to me and says, I have an awkward question for you. I felt very weirded out as I told him to go on. The overly dramatic part of me assumed this was like the movie Love Actually, and he was about to share how in love with me he was. Thankfully, I was wrong. He asked me if I had a zipper vent, the feature on many ski jackets and pants that allows you to get some air on the butt of my pants. I told him I did not. He said, well, in that case, I think you might have split your pants. 
I felt the shame rise in me immediately. My friend, incredibly kind human that he is, started talking about how I should send them back and make sure I got them fixed for free. There is no reason why they should be ripping. However, I knew it was because they were too tight. I hightailed it to the bathroom to check out the damage. Sure enough, they had ripped right down the middle and all the way through. Praise the Lord, I was wearing tights underneath or the whole mountain would have gotten quite the show. The next morning, and even right now, two days later, as I'm typing this email, my waist was sore and bruised from where the waistband was sitting on my body. Not only were these pants causing me anxiety, they were actually physically harming my body. Why in the world was I doing this to myself? I have thought so much about this situation in the last 48 hours. In my brain, I know that my body is not the problem. What I choose to wear is just that, my choice. These pants do not symbolize my imperfections, but rather that they were not made for me. I know that I'm not alone in the struggle of body versus clothes. In fact, I'm sharply aware that there are so many issues with clothes in our culture. Companies don't make clothes that fit all body shapes. The bizarre sizing structure sparks shame when your size fluctuates from brand to brand. Every freaking mannequin on display is a size zero. The list really goes on forever. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. My too big mindset is a problem I'm still working through and will continue to unravel for a while. What I'm commemorating today is a literal breakthrough, (laughs) a moment I've had it that has chipped away about how I regard my body. My body is strong, graceful, and healthy. My body allows me to get up every morning, play with my dog, go hiking in the mountains with my husband. My body does not have to be squeezed into places that it doesn't fit into. In fact, treating my body with grace is the ultimate form of love and acceptance. These are not natural acts for me, but wow, does it feel free just to think about it. Oh, Lauren. Oh, Lauren, I feel you, girl. I think every woman in America inside the bikini industrial complex, which is my favorite phrase from burnout, feels you. I think that's right. And I think it doesn't matter if you're a two-ish or a four-ish or a 16-ish or an 18-ish or a Mm -hmm. 24-ish or 30-ish or whatever. I think that we all have these messages that make us conscious about our weight. And if it's not our weight, it's this feature of our nose or our cheekbones or the way our knees look or some kind of bullshit thing um, where we're thinking, what is out there to help me solve this problem about myself? Exactly. Yeah, I need to buy something. Well, and let me just get this off my, let me just, well, I'm not getting off my chest. I'm going to step on a soapbox is what I'm going to do. The mannequin thing, it's not just that mannequins are zeros. They're probably like double zeros or some bullshit like that. It's that no one looks like that. We've talked about this when we went to the Korean spa where all the ladies are naked together. And when I, and it's my favorite experience. It's why I like going to airports or God save me, even water parks, because it is the most visual reminder that the human body is an entire galaxy of arrangements of arms and legs and waists and legs, almost none of which <laughs> look like the mannequin. I don't know how we settled on that. I don't even know how they put it together because I've never seen a body that fits those particular proportions. Like, it's shocking. It is shocking when you really look around 
at the diversity of the human form and length of arms and length of legs and size of booties and the length of waist and the I mean, it's just it's unbelievable. And it's so sad that we pick this one thing that doesn't exist to put up there as what clothes should look like or what we should look like. Well, and another really beautiful thing about the beach, the water park, the Korean spa is that you get a real sense that size and shape has almost nothing to do with beauty, with strength, Mm -hmm. with overall health and energy and vitality. And it's just lies that have been perpetuated on us, you know, and and people will have feelings about the relationship between body weight and uh, BMI or whatever and obesity and health and all that's fine. But listen, a lot of it's garbage. And just like we have been raised on any number of don't eat eggs, eggs are the best, like that kind of shifting advice, this is going to shift to an Honest to goodness, we are not helping anybody by perpetuating the voice that's already in Lauren's head and all of our heads about this. And so to be able to like rip your pants and say to yourself, enough is a beautiful thing. And I maybe may we all have our snow pants ripping moment this week. Amen. Well, and here's the thing, too, I want to say it can feel like, well, it's the bikini industrial complex is so powerful It's just going to continue to influence us. How can we ever undo it? But it is shocking how, like, even small changes of the way you consume body body images or media can make a big difference, even if you've existed in this bikini industrial complex for all of your life. For example, when I was in my 20s, I stopped reading beauty magazines. I just stopped. I just decided one day, you know what? These make me miserable. All I do is leaving. I I put them down. And at the end of the, I feel like there's a long list of things I need to buy that I'm behind on that are out there waiting to make my life better. And so I just stopped reading them. And the impact was almost immediate. I would argue like if you're following a bunch of like fitness Instagram influencers or even beauty Instagram influencers, unfollow them. And I bet you, you won't believe the impact and how quickly everyone should just follow Lizzo. And that's it, in my personal opinion. Like just those small tweaks. I don't think we realize how much of that, you know, if you if you consider yourself an adult woman who's aware and who's a feminist and all these things. But you don't realize how much it's still out there in the periphery. And if you can just take control in small ways and dial it way down, you will see an impact. I believe that. I just want to take a second and send some love to Christian Siriano in the universe right here, too. I love how he says it is not that freaking hard to design clothes for women of all shapes and sizes. And if you are not doing it, it's because you are lazy. And I just have the greatest respect for that. And... To have someone like him who really understands and appreciates all women's bodies in an industry that does not always love and appreciate Mm -hmm. all women's bodies, it means a ton to me. I totally agree. I love him. He is a gift. Follow him on Instagram. That is another approved follow. Lizzo and Christian Seriano. That's it. That's That's all you need. And Pansy Politics. Thanks. Obviously. (laughs) Thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you, everyone, for your vulnerability and your openness and your sharing with us here on The Nuanced Life. We so appreciate it. And join us again right here next Wednesday on Pansy Politics Between Now and Then. Keep it nuanced, y'all.
Garvin produces The Nuance Life. Elise Knapp is our managing director. The Nuance Life is listener supported. Go to patreon.com slash the nuance life. For $5 each month, you'll receive an entire bonus episode of The Nuance Life. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Dylan Garvin is the composer and performer of our ad music. For more information about The Nuance Life and to connect with us through our weekly email, visit pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. In our book, I Think You're Wrong, But I'm Listening, a guide to grace-filled political conversations, we share the lessons we've learned over years of nuance here on Pantsuit Politics. And now our book is available in paperback. You can also get it on audiobook. We read it ourselves, and it's a great way to hear our principles for grace-filled political conversations in our own words. We hope you'll check out the book in print, on your Kindle, or in your ears as you prepare for this whirlwind election year. Look for I Think You're Wrong, But I'm Listening wherever you buy books. 